Celebrating over two decades of consecutive broadcasts on the great game of horse racing in Las Vegas, the Race Day Las Vegas show thanks all of our listeners and sponsors for your appreciated support. The following is a Race Day Las Vegas presentation in association with Sirocco Productions Limited on the Race Day Las Vegas radio network. From the gaming capital of the world, time for Race Day Las Vegas, covering the sport of kings with a Las Vegas perspective. Now to the race desk with your host, Ralph Sirocco. From the backstretch to the turf club, at the race books and on the internet, to all horse players around the world, a good morning. And a good, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Race Day Las Vegas radio program for this Wednesday. After turning back our clocks, after Breeders' Cup championships, after your voting yesterday, a lot of activity in the last week. We welcome you to this Wednesday show as we kick off another week covering the great sport of thoroughbred racing and a little bit of sports betting. Here from the Gaming Capital World on the Race Day Las Vegas show, Las Vegas style, we welcome you to the show. Our weather has changed as well. I can tell you right now, looking out the studio where we uh, broadcast, emanate and originate all this stuff from the studios over the airwaves of Sports Talk 1400 AM. The sun is shining, the sky is blue, the ground is dry, and we still have a little wisp of wind left after a very gale force type of wind day yesterday all day that accompanied a lot of rain at times uh torrential but right now it seems like it's clearing out 52 degrees right now 10 minutes after 7 a.m pacific time here in las vegas we're going to get up to 61 now tomorrow the overnight tonight into tomorrow morning is going to dip down to 39 We'll still have 61. And, of course, uh, for the rest of the week, looks like the sun will be shining. It looks like we won't have any wind of any consequence to deal with. And we're going to be in the high 50s to low 60s throughout the foreseeable future, and certainly through the weekend here in Las Vegas. We are heading into the late portions of fall and early portions of the upcoming winter. And that's the way it is here in Las Vegas. Now, of course, we're worldwide with our websites and our phone apps and our podcasting. We welcome all of you. If you're listening on our streaming at our Internet sites, racedaylasvegas.com.vegas.world.global. Or if you're uh, listening to us on your devices, your iPhones or your Androids with your KSHP radio station app that you can find at your app store so you can hear us now. And certainly uh, anywhere you get your podcasting, we're there as well. So however, wherever, whenever, welcome to the Race Day Las Vegas show. As we, uh, you know, Monday and Tuesday, we got uh, we got kind of re-energized, didn't we? But boy, yesterday, and it's still going on today with the uh, voting around the country and, of course, uh, turning back the clocks and the Breeders' Cup. We're going to kind of review uh, our thoughts on Breeders' Cup with uh, John Lendo, possibly Jerry Jackowitz as well. Jonathan Hardoon uh, has a pick for us today at Churchill Downs. He will not be with us on the show. He is in transit back home from here this weekend for the Breeders' Cup and the Breeders' Cup Seminar. So he's getting his way back to Saratoga. But he left uh, a pick and, of course, his uh, handicapping sheet for Churchill Downs available at his website today. So we're going to look at a recap of what happened in Breeders' Cup and update you on some of the other news. Certainly, Santa Anita closed on Sunday. 
Another thing that we did over the weekend, Sunday was closing day, so they had a mandatory payoff in the uh, pick six with the jackpot provision off. Mandatory payoffs really on all the races. And outside of a $38.80 winner smack dab in the middle of those race over race pools, the fifth race at Santa Anita of a $38.80 winner, everything else on the board was easily achievable. Only one other horse paid over 10 bucks. That was the $13 winner in the third race. But Ramon Vasquez won the jockey title by winning two races in, uh, in the closing day card. And uh, he won, as a matter of fact, he won two out of the first three there. So we'll take a look at uh, wrapping up uh, Santa Anita. Looking uh, forward to Del Mar's Bing Crosby meet coming up uh, that starts on Friday. And, of course, as we say, taking a look back at some of the things that happened in Breeders' Cup. A lot of good stuff happening, that's for sure. So we welcome you to the show, however, wherever, whenever. Now, uh, as we were saying, Ramon Vasquez won the uh, jockey uh, championship out at Santa Anita with two uh, wins in the first three races, uh, locking out uh, the uh, championship there. 38-year-old from Puerto Rico. You remember he was uh, riding, um, I believe, in Florida. Decided to come out and has made his uh, mark in Southern California. He uh, capped off the uh, the fall meet there with 25 wins that included those two on closing day. Trainer Piller, Peter Miller, 56-year-old, uh, won his fourth autumn Santa Anita title and his sixth Santa Anita title overall. So that was good stuff there. And uh, quite frankly, they had uh, a solid meet at uh, Santa Anita as well. But uh, when you're talking about uh, certainly the uh, handle, well, the handle for the Breeders' Cup just went off the off the charts. They uh, broke all records at Breeders' Cup for the two days. Um. <clears throat> want to give a, a high five to the new vocations racehorse adoption program. During Breeders' Cup, the winners were asked if they would like to pledge a certain amount of their winnings uh, to the new vocations uh, charity. And that came up strong. $140,000 off of nine pledges in the uh, races, the Breeders' Cup races, are now headed to the New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. So that's good stuff. That makes you feel good. Now, as you know, domestic spending broke down in the Breeders' Cup. He got a pelvic fracture. He's been at the Rudin Riddle. He had his uh, operation. Now, that was likely incurred breaking from the starting gate, but uh, he remains stable. Chad Brown reported today that uh, he's doing so well that he might be leaving Rudin Riddle in a few days. So uh, domestic spending was saved out of that breakdown in the Breeders' Cup. Epicenter is doing fine as well. As you know, he broke down in the Breeders' Cup Classic. But he is uh, he will survive to make uh, babies. So Breeders' Cup 39, 11 of the 14 races in Breeders' Cup 39 were won by Euros, the Europeans. There were three winners on Friday, three, uh, four on Saturday, three of the uh, four uh, turf races, six overall. Charlie Appleby, wow, he won three. Charles Appleby, the trainer, won three. And uh, he is second only to Aiden uh, O'Brien for doing uh, three wins two consecutive years. How about that? Aiden O'Brien did well as, as well. He won uh, the other three. New York-based horses that came out of New York won five. Kentucky-based horses won two, and the California-based horses won one. But, of course, that was the most spectacular one of all the Breeders' Cup Classic with Flightline. And so Flightline, as you know, on Sunday, as reported on the race day show, 
they decided to retire him. He goes to Lane's End. And remember that uh, before the Breeders' Cup, uh, the folks at Flightline with Flightline said that he was going to go in the Monday auction to sell 2.5% of Flightline to bidders, okay? That 2.5% yielded $4.6 million. $4.6 million was paid for 2.5% of Flightline's breeding career at the Monday auction. Flightline is at Lane's End, as well as the horse that he ran down and beat. Life is good. He has been retired as well. Uh, Malathat and Jackie's Warrior um, are uh, uh, Jackie's Water. The Warrior has taken some time off. Malathat has been retired. And more Breeders' Cup horses obviously will hit the retirement uh, headline soon. But here's the deal. If you think Flightline's performance in the Breeders' Cup Classic was just something that was jaw-dropping to racing fans and maybe some sports fans, your jaw must have dropped if you were watching Jesse Waters' Waters World show on Fox News on Monday, on a Fox News broadcast, not sports, and a Fox News commentator, Jesse Waters, led his show with Flightline's win in the Breeders' Cup Classic on the Fox News Network. How about that? And, uh, of course, he equated it to uh, politics, but nevertheless... It was uh, something to see. They're actually using Flightline and his great performance to equate to politics. Amazing. All right, that's some of the stuff. We're going to be, uh, of course, uh, doing more of this stuff with, uh, with uh, John Lando soon. He'll be on the show in a bit. Uh, talking about the uh, 15 top uh, figures, top time figures, like buyer figures, Brisnet, time form, those figures for the Breeders' Cup. So obviously, Flightline was the top one. But then you get here are the ones who broke the 100 buyer figure number. They include Tuesday, who won the Breeders' Cup Philly Mare Turf, got a 105. Next, who won the Thoroughbred Aftercare Alliance, a grade two that uh, marathon race, not actually a Breeders' Cup race, but the race preceding Breeders' Cup activity. But boy, next ran gate to wire in a mile and five-eighths and also got a 105 buyer. Rebels Romance, the winner of the Breeders' Cup uh, turf, got 107. Goodnight Olive, winner of the Breeders' Cup Philly Mare Sprint, got a 101. Malathot in that dramatic three-horse driving photo finish in the Breeders' Cup distaff. Boy, that was, you got to watch that over and over again, huh? Got a 102. Cody's Wish, who won the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile, checked in with a 106. These are buyers, speed figures now. Elite Power, uh, Breeders' Cup Sprint winner, got a flat 100. Uh, Forte winning the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, got a flat 100 buyer, and I guess now is the horse that um, is designated as the Kentucky Derby favorite for next year's Derby. Other high ones, Modern Games winning the Breeders' Cup Mile, got 104, and Caravelle winning the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint got a 107. All uh, all numbers, all of those speed figure numbers was the buyer's speed figures. But nobody, as you might expect, got even close to the buyer speed figure that was accomplished by Flightline's Breeders' Cup Classic win of 121. Bada, bada, bing. How about that, huh? Really, that's something. No doubt about that, for sure. All righty. Uh, let's see if we can get some other stuff going here. 
about the Eclipse Awards. I'll do that after the break. Let's go to our first break. And when we come back, we'll be joined. Uh, we'll, we're going to give you your racing menu for today. And certainly uh, check in with uh, John Lindo. I want to get his thoughts off of the Breeders' Cup races as well. So don't go away. We'll be right back on your Wednesday Race Day Las Vegas radio program. Bet your favorite horse but can't make it to the race book? South Point Casino's race book has the answer. Come in and sign up for the Nevada Racebook mobile app. For just a $50 minimum deposit, you'll have the racebook right at your fingertips, no matter where you are in Nevada. It's convenient, fun, and easy to use. When you do have time to visit, South Point Casino is the perfect place to be. Our racebook is completely separate from the sportsbook and totally dedicated to the horse player. With 52 overhead TVs, free Wi-Fi, and cocktail service, bring your tablet or smartphone and plug into the USB ports to look up your favorite handicapping website without draining your battery. Want to wager from your seat? No problem with our IPTs. Just sign up, make a deposit, and you're off to the races. Plus, you'll earn points for dining, hotel, movies, entertainment, and the spa just by using the club card when wagering. Whether you want to come in or play from the comfort of your home, South Point Casino's Racebook has you covered. from drf.com is the exclusive past performance content provider for the race day las vegas show Alrighty, back on race day, Las Vegas, and uh, as I was saying, uh, I'm going to go over uh, some of the thoughts about uh, Breeders' Cup performances as they pertain to the upcoming Eclipse Awards, along with uh, John Lindo as well. Uh, but uh, before we do that, let's set the table for you today, because there is racing. Yes, there is racing today. So here then is the menu of racetracks available today in the race book, simulcast centers, and racetracks around the country. Want to remind you, first post times we broadcast on this menu each and every day reflect that of the Pacific Time Zone because that's where we're at here in Las Vegas, where we emanate and originate all this stuff at Sports Talk 1400 AM. So these will be the first post times that roll out in our race books because we are in the Pacific Time Zone. Therefore, if you're listening on our websites, on your apps, podcasting, gold tooth filling, it doesn't matter. However, wherever, whenever you're listening, remember the first post times on the menu reflect that of the Pacific time zone. So adjust to it if you're not in it so you don't miss anything like I miss mom and dad, okay? Then here then is the menu of nine racetracks available today. Ready? Okay, here we go. We'll begin this menu with Finger Lakes. They're up first. First post time is 9.15 at Finger Lakes today. Parks Racing is next. Parks Racing has a huge pick five jackpot carryover. Their pick five jackpot carryovers just are biggies most of the time. Today, their pick six, uh, their pick five, pick five, F-I-V-E, pick five jackpot carryover is $279,998. Yeah. First post time at Parks Racing, 9.25. Next comes Mahoning Valley. Mahoning Valley races gets underway at 9.45. And following that, we got Churchill Downs in Louisville, Kentucky. Churchill Downs has their pick six jackpot carryover today of $13,694. Their first post time at Churchill is at 10 a.m. We got a pick from Jonathan Hardoon for you today at Churchill Downs. Following that comes Horseshoe Indianapolis. Horseshoe Indianapolis. Yesterday, their pick six jackpot carryover for 20 cents returned $33,909. Wow. Horseshoe Indianapolis has a first post time today of 11.10. Following that comes Turf Paradise in Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah, they cranked it up uh, last week. Turf Paradise underway. They have a regular 
pick five carryover, not a jackpot. Regular pick five carryover today at Turf Paradise of $13,110. First post time Turf Paradise, 1140. Following that, we go all the way to 255. That'll be the start of Delta Downs. Delta Downs first post at 255. And then we have, of course, Penn National. Penn National's first post time is at 3 p.m. 3 p.m. first post time at Penn National. And then we, uh, by the way, they have a small super high five jackpot carryover of $595. We'll wrap it up with the ninth and final uh, track on our menu today, and that is, of course, Charlestown. Charlestown races with a pick six jackpot carryover of $27,027 as a first post time of 4 p.m. And that is your racing menu for today. Okay, I'm going to bring in John Lindo right now because, John, I'm, I'm going to go over some of the uh, good morning, first off. Good morning. How you doing, Ralph? Well, um, I, I needed the Monday and Tuesday off, that's for sure. Of course, <laughs> with all the craziness with the voting going on yesterday, it wasn't like a day off. But uh, certainly uh, uh, Monday I had to kick back and relax off of all of that excitement and adrenaline over the weekend with the Breeders' Cup, that's for sure. Yeah, and we actually had uh, a rainy day for the election day, but people got out in force around California, I know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we we took entries for Del Mar's opening day for Friday, and there are four turf races there. So uh, we'll see how this track dries out. You know, we're in the bottom of a flood zone there at Del Mar. So yeah. uh, we, did, we did get some rain. It's supposed to clear out today, so we'll see how we go. Yeah, we had uh, we had uh, we had gale force winds and all the rain that was pelting against the windows and all that stuff. Lawn furniture was blowing all over, uh, but uh, we got through the rain uh, between late afternoon and early this morning, and it's starting to clear out here now. So you'll be clearing out, if not already, you'll be clearing out soon because that uh, that will just pass right through. Yeah, the sun's out here already now, so yeah. we should we've we've got a couple of days to to dry out and. Still, I don't think it's nearly as windy as it was yesterday, but we've got some wind to move it along and help help things out. Well, John, uh, of course, uh, the Breeders' Cup, uh, I, there was no performance. Uh, the match of Flight Line's uh, unbelievable uh, win again. It's it, You know, he has jaw-dropping performances that have become regular, but, I mean, that was a great exclamation point. And then the quick... Uh, the quick news that he was going to be retired. I like that. I, I I don't like him lingering along. They made a decision and they did it. I would love to see him run again, but we understand why. Uh, and, of course, the most dramatic and exciting uh, finish was the Breeders' Cup Distaff, that three-horse fo three photo finish. Oh, that was terrific, I, I tell you. And, and the winner, Malice, that I never, ever, ever thought she was going to get there. It, she never looked like a winner any step of the way. Uh, but she's just one of those fillies that when, when she's in a photo, she wins. Uh, you know, she hung a nose on Blue Stripe, who hung a nose on Clarier coming up the rail with Joel Rosario. I thought all three fillies ran terrific. Uh, and you just got to tip your hat to mouth that. She finds a way to get things done. And huge run by Blue Stripe and Hector Barrios, who came to Southern California during the Del Mar summer meet, and he's kind of made, uh, quietly made a name for himself. And I thought he rode a great Breeders' Cup. He rode a terrific race on Blue Stripe. And, you know, the the horse I, I like taking a shot at was Super Ocho in the sprint. He opened up, turned him for home. And oh. For a minute, for a minute there, forty-five to one. I thought we were going to get the candy. We were, we were winning the race way inside the sixteenth pole. Are you kidding me? You guys did a great job at the seminar because, uh, in that uh, Breeders' Cup distaff, you guys nailed it. Uh, and it was a, a pretty uh, gutsy move, but it was a right, right one by Jonathan Ardoon, who took a stand against Nest in the race. The favorite of that race he took a stand against, and certainly you and he, and certainly I that didn't add too much to anything in the uh, seminar, but I did like Blue Stripe. We all did. And that horse at 25 to 1 was a nose away from making a big score for me, and certainly uh, was right in there for uh, good payoffs in the exactas trifectas and superfectas yeah I, I think that exactly was 55 to 1 i happened i got lucky and cashed on that so that was good and uh just in general good racing throughout and you know we've got a number of horses that that are either have been retired or it went through the uh the the phasing tipton sale or the keelan sale the broodmares so mm -hmm. there's been a number of changes as far as who will come back for next year but we can go through those you know however you want to do it yeah and i gotta tell you that one of the horses that didn't make the breeders cup but certainly it was very accomplished and we would have loved to see 
running that distaff with was Midnight Pursue, who did go through the sale, uh, the same sale with Flightline, and she brought $5.5 million for her new owners uh, for the breeding purposes of Midnight Pursue. So, yeah, there will be a lot, of course, retiring. We'll get to that maybe in the next segment. But I did want to uh, kind of go through what the Breeders' Cup might uh, mean for the, uh, obviously, the Eclipse Awards, which are the awards for the best, and the Breeders' Cup is the uh, year-end championship. Two-year-old males. Now, you know, uh, up until uh, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, everybody would have given it to Cave Rock, but Cave Rock caved in to uh, Forte, or Fort, who not only won the Breeders' Cup, uh, Breeders' Futurity at Keeneland in his prep, but also won the juvenile. So now we got a, a you know, a kind of a split with uh, maybe votes on that. Well, you know, Forte beat Cave Rock head to head in the yep. Breeders' Cup juvenile. Like won the Breeders' Futurity, so two two Grade One wins. You got to think right now he's obviously the leading candidate to me as far as being uh, uh, the Eclipse Award winning two year old. I think that Wonders Wheel in winning the uh, Breeders' Cup juvenile fillies. Uh, certainly uh, wrapped up the Eclipse Award there because I don't think there was any other two-year-old filly that really stood out. And if they did, even the uh, spinaway winner, uh, Leave No Trace, uh, uh, you know, uh, was defeated. Right, and Leave No Trace beat Wonder Wheel earlier in the year in yeah. the in the in the spinaway, spinaway at the yeah. Saratoga. So she avenged that defeat. And she's a two-time grade one winner. And she did it two different ways. She went wire to wire in the Alcibiades, and then she came from way off the face in the juvenile Phillies. I thought she was pretty impressive and a, de- a deserving champion at this point, for sure. Uh, yeah, Wonder Wheel, right? Wonder Wheel, yes. Yeah. Uh, three-year-old male? Uh boy. Yeah, Epicenter, if he'd at least finished the Breeders' Cup Classic, m- may have done it. But, I mean, breaking down, you can't penalize him for that. And he had the uh, best, I think, resume overall. And, of course, you always give a, a thought about the horse who won the, uh, the Kentucky Derby. But, I mean, Epicenter, uh, f- four big wins, the grade one Travers, the grade two Jim Dandy, the grade two Louisiana Derby, and the grade two Risen Star. Remember, before the Kentucky Derby, he was railing off all those prep races down in uh, at the fairgrounds, and he really never did run a bad race. No, uh, you know, I thought all year long Epicenter was the best three-year-old. Again, you can, you can't, uh, hold what happened in the Breeders' Cup uh, oh. Classic against him. You did have two, two, uh, three-year-olds who were two-time grade one winners. Tyba won the Santa Anita Derby and the Pennsylvania Derby. And then you had Cyberknife yeah. who won the Arkansas Derby and the Haskell. And he almost won the Breeders' Cup Mile. Got beat a dirty nose there. Yeah. So uh, they, they have credentials to be the top three old. And then you have Rich Strike who won the Kentucky Derby. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, it, it's relatively wide open. But, you know, if if I'm voting today, I would still vote for Epicenter just because I, I think he had established during the summer that he was the best three-year-old in the country. Yeah, and don't forget Mo Donegal. He's going to get a, 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 a vote or two. He won the Belmont and the Wood Memorial. So that, that uh, division, the three-year-old male division, is going to come down uh, to uh, nobody. I think it's going to be unanimous. I think there's going to be uh, votes on either side for those. But you'd almost have to lean towards Epicenter uh, for the body of work. Uh, three-year-old female. Well, Nest won three grade ones before failing against four-year-olds in the Breeders' Cup uh, distaff, that might be enough to get the job done. I mean, I can't think of any three other three-year-old filly. Remember that Secret Oath might have won uh, uh, like uh, the the marquee Kentucky Oaks, uh, but uh, I think Nest, again, body of work. Yeah, absolutely. During the summertime, she put she showed she was head and head and uh, shoulders above the rest of the three-year-old fillies. Uh, you know, she she did finish ahead of secret oath, even though she was beaten in the distaff. I don't think there's a whole lot of discussion there. I think Ness is the top three-year-old female. And I would say there is no doubt about the older dirt female. Malathat threw it down, got it done in that dramatic finish. As you say, she just finds ways of winning, and uh, she put an exclamation point on her uh, year, that's for sure. Well, that was an important nose that where she beat Clarier, because Clarier had beaten, beaten her earlier in the year, and I think if the nose had gone the other way, we'd be talking about Clarier being champion. So as tight as that was, I think that had that decided the champion older dirt female. 
Now, Turf Mail, we talked, you and I and, and uh, Jonathan, of course, talked not only in the seminar, but on these shows before and after with uh, Charles uh, Appleby does when he comes out. And you got to think that the Turf uh, Mail division goes uh, through the European horses, that's for sure. I mean, you got Modern Games and Rebels Romance, uh, Rebels Romance, five for five on the turf with two Group 1 wins. Yeah, I, I just thought the American uh, turf horses were were mediocre this year, and I so I, I had to look for other options. And yeah, not only did Modern Games win the Breeders' Cup Mile, he won the Woodbine Mile in North America. Up at, uh, so I think that's enough to put him over. And, and to me, he was the best uh, turf male that, that I saw this this year in the United States. So I think Rebels Romance ran a terrific race in the turf, and being a gelding, I would assume that we might see him at Santa Anita in the Breeders' Cup next year so right. uh, a horse that uh, is just scratching the surface he's a three-year-old turning four and he's a big strong looking horse that i think is going to get even better next year you know a lot of people who are going through the past performances and all that when they got the rebels romance they said well how how come he didn't run in all those big races in europe and you uh told him gave that answer uh at the seminar when uh geldings i guess can't run in those big races in europe but can in germany and that's why he won the two group ones in germany right Right, you know, the three-year-old Gellings can't run in a race like the Yark or anything like that in France. So yeah. there were li- there were limits as to far where he could go. So they went to Germany and then got the Grade One wins. And uh, you know, he showed his quality and uh, just a terrific run too. He really he re- ran through the wire there in the Breeders' Cup Turf. And uh, I was worried about him maybe not taking the turns. He's such a big horse, mm-hmm. but he, he had a little trouble with it. But it, di- it didn't bother him. He got the money. That's for sure. Turf female. Now, this is going to be an interesting category, that's for sure. The Americans in Italian uh, has, uh, you know, credentials. Real Glory, two-time grade one winner. And, uh, of course, Warlike Goddess. And uh, although she didn't win the the turf, uh, the Philly Mare turf, she has a body of work. But then you got to give credit to the actual Breeders' Cup turf winner Tuesday. Right. And to me, uh, I thought all year long, Warlike Goddess was heads and, and shoulders above the females on the grass. And I thought she was the best turf horse, male or female, from the U.S., <clears throat> excuse me, mm-hmm. uh, this year. So, uh, I'm, I, I'm on the, on the Warlike Goddess bandwagon for champion turf female. I, I think she deserves it. In Italian, ran a terrific race, uh, in, in defeat in the Breeders' Cup Philly Mare Turf. But I just think Warlike Goddess deserves this award. Female sprinter, of course, the Breeders' Cup, Philly Mare sprint winner, uh, Goodnight Olive, uh, you know, won on the big day. But you have CeCe, who won two graded sprint races before that. And even uh, Caravelle, if you wanted really to reach out, who beat males in the turf sprint. Well, Goodnight Olive was 5 for 5 this year, capped it off by a, a relatively handy win in the Breeders' Cup, Philly Mare sprint. Uh, that's enough for me. I, I think she's a champion. And again, in the male uh, sprint uh, division, uh, e- Elite Power uh, got a five-race win streak and winning uh, the, uh, uh, you know, he won the grade two Vosberg and, of course, won the sprint. But Jackie's Warrior, my goodness, his body work all year long. I mean, the, uh, you know, he won the grade one Alfred G. Vanderbilt at Churchill, etc. So this will be interesting. But I guess, I don't know, maybe you got to give it to Elite Power one on the big day. This is a tough one for me. Uh, you know, Jackie's Warrior was the obvious leader going into the Breeders' Cup like he was last year. Uh-huh. Once again, in the Breeders' Cup sprint, he disappointed. And you've got a couple of viable options. You talk about Elite Power, who who won the Breeders' Cup sprint. Don't forget Cody's Wish. I mean, he, he beat Jackie's Warrior on the square. Yep. Uh, you know, before the, the Breeders' Cup, he ended up winning the, the Breeders' Cup mile around two turns. But he, but he won both his races that were around one turn, and he did it pretty impressively. Um, I think you can make a case for any of those three. Yeah, I do. I, I believe that's uh, you're absolutely right. As far as the jockeys and the trainers, it always comes down to the statistics, the raw statistics. Who's won more money? Who's won more stakes? Who's won more races? And and when you get to you know when when you when you're gonna use that as a criteria, you always got uh, Irad Ortiz Jr. Up at the top there, and you've got Chad Brown and and Todd Pletcher, etc. So, and Steve Asmussen led all trainers and wins with 350 uh, wins and 45 graded stakes so far. So, I mean, uh, 
But what about John Sadler and the job he did keeping Flightline at such a high level of competition with a horse who everybody knows has some problems that he had to work through? Yeah, this is this is tough because if, if you're a racing journalist and you follow it every day, you, you might have a different opinion than if you're just look, picking up the stats at the end of the year. You know, Jockey Arad Ortiz won 20 grade one races and just a ton of money. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, we see day in and day out some of the things. He, he, he served a suspension for hurting a horse. Yep. And, you know, he's, he's, he's done it numerous times. There was an inquiry the other day that he wasn't taken down where he tried to just knock somebody out of the way. And, you know, in this day and age, Ralph, where we have to go through all these protocols for safety, uh, vet checks, uh, limited limited uh, medication, uh, everything else that goes through, to, to, to have a guy out there, you know, riding careless and, and moving horses out of the way that endangers not only horses but riders too, mm-hmm. uh, you know, th- that's a tough vote for me. Um, yeah, he had the best year. But what did he do to get there? And, yeah. and so, you know, you, if you want to take in character and, and, and other, other parts in, in deciding that vote, then maybe that you have other options. Uh, you know, Steve Aspen was terrific all year, although he did not have a great Breeders' Cup. No. Um, and and uh, you talk about guys like Todd Pletcher, who had, he had an awful lot of good horses run big, and, and Brad Cox seems to have his horses run their best races on big days. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's relatively open, and, and John Sadler doesn't have the amount of horses that these other guys do, but when he gets something good and, and he take you know, he, he does he does the right thing and then and just looking at the end of the Breeders' Cup, not only does Flight Line win and, and go off to stud, but Edgeway who was beaten in the Philly Mare Sprint mm-hmm. sure brings a million seven at the sale this week. Uh, you know, he had a number of horses go through the sale. I think uh, Park Avenue brought over uh, like a million four. So he's created value for his owners and, and keeps them going and turning these horses over. So, uh, you know, as far as what a trainer is supposed to do, uh, you know, I, I think John Sadler did his job as well as anybody. I do, too. And, of course, if you're just talking about uh, a trainer who's a forte and uh, his record with two-year-olds, you'd have to put Bob Baffert in there with the, with the record he had with all these uh, fantastic two-year-olds. But they were all high-priced horses in the sales rings as well. So I would think that. The trainer uh, category, more than anything else, is going to come down to uh, a preference of the voters and, of course, a personality type thing, that's for sure. And and uh, it'll be uh, certainly interesting. Uh, John, we're going to go to a break, and then when we come back, we'll talk about those who have retired. Right at the top of the list, of course, is Flightline and Life is Good. But there are others after Eclipse Award that uh, will be going to a very, very, uh, well, I would have to say a nice retirement career after racing. We'll be right back. The Race Day in Las Vegas show heard mornings Pacific Time, Wednesday through Friday, 7 to 8 a.m., Saturday and Sunday, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. on Sports Talk, 1400 a.m., Streaming and archive on racedaylasvegas.com and on the KSHP phone app. You can reach us at the website, on Twitter at racedaylvralph, or racedaylasvegas at cox.net. Have a great race day. Want to bet your favorite horse but can't make it to the race book? South Point Casino's race book has the answer. Come in and sign up for the Nevada Racebook mobile app. For just a $50 minimum deposit, you'll have the Racebook right at your fingertips, no matter where you are in Nevada. It's convenient, fun, and easy to use. When you do have time to visit, South Point Casino is the perfect place to be. Our Racebook is completely separate from the sportsbook and totally dedicated to the horse player. With 52 overhead TVs, free Wi-Fi, and cocktail service, bring your tablet or smartphone and plug into the USB ports to look up your favorite handicapping website without draining your battery. Want to wager from your seat? No problem with our IPTs. Just sign up, make a deposit, and you're off to the races. Plus, you'll earn points for dining, hotel, movies, entertainment, and the spa just by using the club card when wagering. Whether you want to come in or play from the comfort of your home, South Point Casino's Racebook has you covered. The 
the Race Day Las Vegas Show, the only exclusive daily local media racing information source in Las Vegas. All right, back on Race Day Las Vegas. Uh, before we uh, do some more Breeders' Cup chatting with uh, John Lindo, I want to give you the uh, selection from Jonathan Hardoon today at uh, Churchill Downs. At Churchill Downs, Jonathan comes uh, with the fourth race, and in the fourth race at Churchill Downs, uh, and it's a six-for-a-long race, he likes number six, Cool Runnings. Number six, Cool Runnings. Uh, and he's at nine to two on the morning line. That's Jonathan's play today. Fourth race at Churchill Downs, number six, Cool Runnings. And remember that his entire uh, sheet for all of uh, Churchill Downs available right now at Jonathan's website. But in the fourth race for the race day listeners, number six, Cool Runnings. All right, uh, John, uh, what about uh, the horses have already, uh, they've already announced uh, retirement that's headed up by Flightline? Well, obviously, Flightline's going to Lane's End at Stud. Olympiad, who ran second in the Breeders' Cup Classic, he, he is going to Stud. Mm-hmm. You talked about Life is Good. He's already at Windstar Farm. He will stand at Stud. Uh, the two horses that, that were injured on Breeders' Cup Day, Epicenter has been retired, and he'll, he'll stand Stud. Uh, I don't know if it'll be next year, depending on how he recovers from his injury. Mm-hmm. And domestic spending... Uh, is a gelding, so he will be retired uh, after this, and he's supposed to be released from from Root and Riddle Hospital uh, next week sometime. And right now he's stable and doing fine, and, uh-huh. and you know he'll he'll have a good life. Then, uh, as far as the sprinters go, Jackie's Warrior has been retired, mm-hmm. and as far as some uh, Golden Golden Pal has also been retired. He is standing at Coolmore, and uh, some of the mares that have been retired, CC will be bred to Constitution. They have not announced who Malathot will visit this year, but she will be bred. Uh, Edgeway was sold for $1.7 million. Uh, she will be bred next year. And uh, so that's just some of the list of the, the horses that, uh, you know, from, from the Breeders' Cup that are going to be doing different things next year instead of the racetrack. And you were talking about Olympiad, who uh, was gallant in finishing second to flight line because he had to outrun uh, some of the other horses in that uh, blanket photo finish for uh, the uh, minor awards. And uh, Bill Mott had a great day at Keeneland on uh, Saturday with the win of uh, Cody's Wish and, of course, uh, the other win with Elite Power, both uh, Cody's Wish in the mile, dirt mile, and uh, Elite Power in the uh, sprint. And a nice second-place finish with uh, Olympia. Yeah, I, th- I thought Bill, the Billmont horses ran terrific, and he, he's a great horseman. I really enjoy when, when he has success because I know he does things the right way. He sure does, and he's, he's a class act all the way, that's for sure. Well, we wrapped up Santa Anita. On Sunday, Ramon Vasquez put a put a uh, exclamation point on trying to win the uh, jockey title at Santa Anita early in the card. He won uh, the second and third races and uh, squeezed out everybody else uh, mathematically with that uh, third race win. Uh, and uh, Peter Miller won the uh, trainer championship there. But in all of the releases that I read, the one from Santa Anita and others. They never gave the um, uh, his total amount. What he, how many winners he had during the meet? Did you find that out? Oh gosh, you know what? You caught me off guard with that. I, I I'll don't bet know. you. I think I think he had fourteen going into the last day, but I don't know if he won anything on on closing day. I was traveling, so yeah. Um, yeah, but, uh, well, he won it though. That's yeah, all that matters. He, yes, he did win it, uh, but it was really strange that I'm I'm reading and they you know talk about uh, Ramon Vasquez and how many he won, and then they got the Peter Miller. They said he won the fourth autumn championship and sixth overall at Sanita, but they never gave the tally of winners. But like you said, he got the watch. <laughs> well, that's what matters to him. They're getting in the winner's circle. And, and we're going to see a couple new faces. Uh, you know, entries were taken for Del Mar on Friday, Ralph. And, uh-huh. uh, Graham Motion's got six or eight horses at, at Del Mar. He runs two horses opening day, including Script and the Let It Ride Stakes. So he'll be here. Uh, Robertino Diodoro is back here for this meet. Uh, and some new faces. Uh, Flavian Pride has a full slate of mounts. Johnny Velasquez is on the card riding opening day. So we're going to see some new faces back in California returning. And uh, uh, Flavian will stay through the early part of the Santa Anita meet. I, I think he'll probably go back east once uh, Keeneland starts up in April. Mm-hmm. And Johnny Velasquez, we're expecting to be here. for, the, And then we'll see uh, Frankie DeTore show up day after Christmas at Santa Anita. So yeah. some changing faces out here. And uh, it's it's good to get a little new blood out here and kind of shake things up. Well, I can tell you what, uh, Flavian, 
he's a smart smart dude. He knows that uh, if he's going to ride uh, during the winter time, he'd better be off in Southern California rather than in New York. <laughs> that's for sure. But he is making his name a name for himself, uh, kind of internationally now. Of course, uh, with that move back east that he did during the summertime through uh, Breeders' Cup. Uh, between Keeneland and New York racing, etc., uh, and Chad Brown, I guess uh, he uh, he was his number one rider. Uh, that he uh, he made uh, certainly roadways into a lot of uh, possibilities for um, you know uh, Derby horses, and that's I think what uh, Frankie Dettori, his uh, main goal uh, coming out to Santa Anita to ride the Santa Anita winner. Uh, he was said to, uh, he was looking for a. a a derby horse because he wants to win the derby someday, the Kentucky Derby with all of success overseas. And I got to tell you, all these guys uh, better be lined up under the Bob Baffert shed row for all of the two-year-olds that he has. However, unfortunately he cannot run horses in the derby this year again, at least unless he gets some court, you know, stay or whatever. So whatever, wherever those horses go that uh, are possibles for the Kentucky Derby will have to be running under another trainer. Right, uh, Bob. Baff- this is the last year. I think the uh, the ban of Bob Baffert uh, trained and, and raced horses at Churchill Downs ends after the Derby this year in twenty or next year in twenty twenty three. So uh, you know, as these horses get ready, obviously they can they can still train and race for Bob Baffert as they go through some of these preps. But before the Kentucky Derby next year, they will have to move to different barns and get some qualifying points because yeah. as long as they race for Baffert, they don't get they're, they're not eligible to receive any Kentucky Derby qualifying points. Even if they win qualifying races, if Baffert is the named trainer on that day when they win it, no points, that's for sure. So we'll wait and see about that. Now, talking about the Kentucky Derby, I mean, we've got, we just talked about the uh, Forte uh, being the morning line, uh, the early Kentucky Derby favored by virtue of his win in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile because traditionally the Juvenile winner gets to be the favorite in the future book before the gambling really starts on those and certainly uh, the paramutual uh, pools that Churchill Downs has out. But uh, you say, you told me on the break that I thought was really interesting, that a horse that won on Breeders' Cup Day 2 in the opening race, the first race of the day, uh, a horse called... um, if I can get it here, uh, American, what is it? Arabian, Arabian Night. Arabian Night, who ran off the screen. This horse ran off the screen in a runaway in a seven furlong race for two year old maidens on the uh, first race on Breeders' Cup Saturday under Bob Baffert is now the favorite in the William Hill pool. Check in the William Hill Kentucky Derby futures. Yes, uh, on Monday, looking it up. Arabian Night, not the Breeders' Cup winner, but oh. Arabian Night is ten to one, and the morning and, and the current favorite in your Kentucky Derby future book pools out in Las Vegas at William Hill, which you know caught me by surprise. Uh, yeah, he, he was fantastic winning his maiden win, but you would think coming off a, a, a win in the uh, the Breeders' Cup juvenile that uh, you would have thought Forte would have been the low number, but yeah. it, it, it was not. You know, I mean, again, he wins a seven furlong maiden race on the opener just the maiden race but i guess how he did it uh you know got somebody to open up their wallet and take a shot that's for sure we remember not too many years ago when justify you know started his career late that there was a a lot of big money bet on him in the kentucky derby future book and that was cashed at big odds maybe uh the same type of folks are looking at uh catching lightning in the bottle twice well, Arabian Knight is a $2.3 million son of Uncle Mo, so obviously he looks the part. Uh, he earned a 97 buyer speed figure, winning that seven furlong uh, maiden race in just under 122. And uh, the way he found another gear turner for home and drawing off from the field was pretty impressive. Obviously, he hasn't gone two turns yet. He hasn't faced winners yet. I would expect him to be back in California and maybe point to a race, something maybe like the Los Alamitos Futurity wow. in December over at Los Alamitos. Bob Baffert very strong in supporting the Los Alamitos Stakes program. That would be the next logical spot, I would think, for Arabian Night. We'll see where he goes and once everybody gets back here in California. Well, we know there uh, was a lot of voting for a lot of things yesterday, that's for sure, and some of those races haven't been called yet. But one vote that was on the ballot in California, when you talk about William Hill, is uh, sports betting propositions, and they were uh, they were voted out. 
soundly defeated. Both uh, Proposition 26, which would have allowed the base tax to accept the sports wagers, and Proposition 27, which would have made uh, uh, sports wagering available online, were soundly defeated. You know, 70 percent or or even more against them. So wow. uh, as of as of now, uh, there was no sports wagering in California for the foreseeable future. You know, I don't want to get into politics, but uh, California, many people would label as a pretty liberal state uh, with not only the people they vote for, but the, the, the lifestyle there. I can't imagine why they wouldn't uh, accept sports betting. Well, you know, there's some important lobbyists that, that don't want it, and that would be the Indian gaming out here. They, they kind of like what they have a foothold in, and they're very strong politically. And I would think uh, your buddies over there in Nevada wouldn't want uh, to have the California have the sports wagering. They want us driving over the mountain there and coming into town, which I have no problem with. I kind of like it. So, uh, you know, I, I've got to think there's some some influence against that happening anytime soon. I got to tell you, the 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 big companies here uh, in Las Vegas have always enjoyed the fact of the uh, uh the spreading of uh, sports legalized sports betting because those companies then go into those states and offer big money to put big uh, you know beautiful facilities there for that uh, so it expands their business and got to tell you with all the legalized gambling around the country it has not hurt Las Vegas one iota no it it it, it kind of teaches the players yeah you know what's available, how to play, and it, and it, and you know it, it. I think opens up another market of potential customers that will come out to Nevada. Now, John, uh, talking about players, uh, horse players, uh, we'll uh, tee it up on uh, Friday for the opening of the Bing Crosby meeting at Del Mar, and of course, you will uh, have your uh, Lindo report in position there at the South Point, right? Absolutely. 12.30 first post time every racing day except Thanksgiving Day. They'll go with an early 11 o'clock post time so you can get on with your families after that. But looking forward to it, and this is always a fun meet and good grass racing at a time of year when there isn't a lot of it around the country. So look for that Hollywood Turf Festival at the end of the meet the last couple of weeks. You're going to get a lot of the Chad Browns and Graham Motions and the yeah. shippers coming in for races like the Hollywood Derby. Yeah, no question about that. Can't wait. Enjoyed the conversation today, John. We will be back, of course, tomorrow morning getting ready for the weekend, that's for sure, and a lot of racing around the country. In the meantime, you get to say the one more thing. Have a great race day, everybody. Thanks a lot, John.